0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Avatar the Podcast. Special shout out to anyone who is sleep deprived right now, like me. And me. You too, yeah. Me (laughs) too. The perfect episode to be a little sleep deprived. Because of course, today we're talking about book three, chapter nine, Nightmares and Daydreams. Or as we like to call it.
1: Do avatars dream of koala sheep?
0: That's right. Before we dive in, though, we are going to read through a couple more five-star reviews.
1: Yes. And the first one comes from Katara Lover, and they write, amazing. It makes me so happy with one of the the smiley faces with the the hearts coming up the face. I love that one. All the
0: the hearts all over the place.
1: Surrounded by love. I love that one.
0: Short, but lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next review comes from RK, the MCU nerd, who wrote, love it amazing podcast. I have been an avatar fan since I was a toddler and now I can have so much more fun insight as well as headcanon. So thank you, Greg and Acorn. I feel as though this podcast is where I can finally experience much more fresh avatar content. My favorite episode is Ember Island Players as well as the Firebending Masters. Also, congrats on your daughter, Greg. Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah,
1: I've been seeing, we've been seeing a couple of those. So I really appreciate that. Thank you all so much for the congratulations. Don't worry. She is still alive and healthy. I've kept a baby alive.
0: (laughs) Good track record.
1: Some might argue that it's my wife, Mrs. Boost, has been keeping her alive like the most, but I've been helping. (laughs) So good job, me and also her. Uh, The next one comes from get underscore helper, and they write great podcast. I watched Avatar when I grew up, and I loved every bit of it. I love all the information you tell. I have listened to other Avatar podcasts, but this one gives the most information. Great podcast. I would like if Booster Greg could maybe read the episode lines, maybe, but all in all, great podcast. Don't I do that? Sometimes. I think I do that sometimes. It depends if it's like here. Here's a little peek behind the curtain for everyone. You'll notice that sometimes on my write ups, I do direct quotes and that's because I see the line and I read the line and I'm like, this looks like fun to reenact and mm-hmm. I want to do it. That's the only rhyme or reason It's like, is it important? Maybe, maybe not. But does Greg want to reenact it? Absolutely.
0: Yep. I think both of us are kind of inclined to be amateur voice actors. Yes, Just yes, a little bit.
1: Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Amateur for now. Amateur amateur professional real soon i don't know just kidding maybe
0: <laughs> maybe one day who knows mhm i can dream of koala sheep
1: i was going to say yeah how do we connect that to the episode koala sheep well done well done koala sheep remember everyone if you want your five star written review read live on the show by professional amateur voice actors <laughs> then you can go over to the apple podcast app and give it a five star review And remember to do your write-up because if it's not written, as I always say, Mm -hmm. we can't read it as much as I would love to. It's not there. I can't do it. My mind reading abilities actually don't work on the days that we record for the podcast. (laughs) But they work
0: every other day. Every
1: other day. It's just this one day. Oh, man. Wow.
0: Convenient.
1: Just how schedules lined up, you know, that's how it goes. But yes, I thank you to everyone who has left a five-star written review. We've gotten so many more reviews coming in this past week, and we are super appreciative. And we can't believe all of the responses and all of the great interactions that we've had over the past week. So, thank you, thank you,
0: mm-hmm. thank you. Also, I feel like the number of new written reviews might correspond to the fact that we are on the after shows list. I feel like we should talk yeah, about
1: that. That's right. So, I didn't check today, but as of yesterday, we are rated number 14 on the US Apple Podcast side for after shows. So, Thank you, everyone, who, even if you don't leave a review, even if you don't tweet at us at Podcast Avatar, even if you don't write in to Avatar, the podcast at gmail.com, even if you don't join us the last Friday of every month over at Twitch.tv slash so the Geek Generation for Avatar, just listening <laughs> alone. I think it's everything we have to, we have to, <laughs> even if you well, don't go to well Patreon.com slash Avatar, the podcast, <laughs> just you listening has really kind of skyrocketed the podcast up the ranks, which. Is just like, I don't even have, I can't verbalize how much that means to us.
0: I don't have the words either. It is mind-blowing, especially since we know that the majority of our listenership is from Spotify. So the fact that we even got on the after shows list is huge. Mm. And every so often I'll go and look at it and it's just like, it's weird. It's weird to go to this official list and scroll down and see our little podcast thumbnail, you know?
1: Yeah, you don't even have to scroll down that far anymore. You all did that. It's wild. It's absolutely. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much. We hope you continue to join us after we finish book three because we have so many wonderful things planned and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily Cora coming up next.
0: I know. I'm getting excited for the Kyoshi books. Personally, I know I'm not alone. We had a couple people write in about that. And it's fun too when I go to research because there are so many connections between Kyoshi and the seasons that we're currently covering. So I actually have to rein it in and not talk about the stuff that happens in the Kyoshi novels. So we have so much to cover. It's going to be fun.
1: I can't wait to read the comics. I'm so excited for that.
0: Yes. Yes, that too.
1: Yes. I looked up on Amazon and they have like omnibuses of all four. I think it's digital format. It's like 60 something dollars. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. I can't wait.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Me neither. But we have to get through book three first. So yeah. let's dive into today's episode, the Fever Dream.
1: Oh, jeez. This
0: episode, it is. It's a lot. It is, but it's fun. I will say it was fun to write the synopsis. So again, we're covering nightmares and daydreams. Chapter nine of book three. This episode was written by John O'Brien and directed by Ethan Spalding. I do want to make a note about Ethan Spalding because. He is one of the show's director and was acknowledged as being the resident anime and manga expert who frequently had crazy ideas that had to be kind of reined in to fit the style of the show. Until Mm -hmm. this episode, in Nightmares and Daydreams, he was allowed to let his imagination run free. He designed the Nightmare Ang and Ozai characters. As well as the Momo Yojimbo, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about later, but that was yes. based on the comic book character. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the art for this episode, there are just crazy, extreme anime versions of the characters. And we can thank Ethan Spalding for that.
1: Some might say that Ethan Spalding's dream came true. Exactly. With directing this episode.
0: <laughs> exactly. Our episode starts with our heroes being the first to arrive on the island that Saka and Hakoda picked out for the official invasion rendezvous point. The island was chosen because it was uninhabited and secluded, but also with a harbor surrounded by cliffs. There are flocks of adorable koala sheep, and that is pretty much it as far as living things go. So our heroes arrive and they're getting ready for bed when Katara comments about them being four days ahead of schedule, which... I do want to point out, yeah. that's kind of a feat. If you go back to the Painted Lady and how was yeah. like, all right, we got to cut out bathroom breaks. We can't eat. We got to do them together. We got to make progress. And then they loitered for multiple days and yet yeah. still somehow <laughs> arrived early.
1: I'm so glad I'm not alone in that. That's like my first thought is how awesome is Saka. I know I'm very biased towards Saka, but how awesome is Saka that they wasted days and they still got there four days before schedule. I don't want to know how they did that.
0: I was going to say <laughs> they had
1: so many misadventures, like you said, that like, I think in one of the episodes I was even like, don't they have a schedule to keep at this point?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they just kind of ignored it. And I guess that just goes to show you that if you just ignore a schedule and completely don't worry about anything, you will get to what you need to get to. Four days in advance.
0: That sounds like dangerous advice. (laughs) Just don't worry, right? Whatever you want to, it'll be
1: fine. (laughs) I think that's a Family Guy quote where Peter says something along along the lines of, "If you just do whatever you want and don't worry about the consequences, everything will work out." It's like, ooh, that's not great advice. That's the worst advice you can give anyone ever.
0: (laughs) Don't do as I say. (laughs) Yeah,
1: or maybe it was Simpsons. It was one of those. I don't know, but it was. Yeah, don't do that. Don't take that. That's not the moral of the episode. That's not official canon for on the Podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Not the moral to take home. When Eng hears that they are four days early, he freaks out, not realizing that his face to face with the Fire Lord was so soon. His friends are unworried, especially Sokka, who suggests, just calm down and... <laughs> exactly. And Guitar is like, yeah, Sokka knows what he's talking about. Just relax. It's fine. It's all going to be fine.
1: I, I love just the difference in mentality between Sokka and Aang on this one, where Sokka mm-hmm. is just like,
0: I want sleep. Give me sleep. Don't
1: worry about it. Worrying gets in the way of sleep. And clonks out, ready to go. And Aang's just like, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. And also thinking about the episode, the, the Avatar and the Fire Lord, where it took Roku years to master a single element. Mm -hmm. Aang hasn't even started fire.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I know. He doesn't even know the basics, as he says in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Aang is reluctant, but lies down and shuts his eyes. He dreams that he's in the Fire Nation capital, kicking down the doors to the Fire Lord's lair. In the dream, he's cooler than a cup of ice and slides into the room in slick new clothes and a full head of hair that is getting a lot of air. Mm Mm-hmm. Could it be that his hair is a better airbender than he is in his dream?
1: I would say that in his dream, he's a hairbender.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did it. I did not expect that, but I should have. That was really good. (laughs) Oh, my God. Also, if you don't watch anime, we have to point out the fact that his outfit is very similar to Goku from the Dragon Ball series.
1: Yeah, he would fit right in.
0: Yes. The orange clothes, the belt, the large spiky, dark hair. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know about you, but there was an element to this episode. Every time he comes into the Fire Lord's lair and says what he says, it reminds me of a combination of the boulder Mm -hmm. and his introduction and also Dr. Strange in his first movie. Did you get that?
1: Yeah. I got the Dr. Strange vibe. I didn't get, I don't get the boulder vibe, but I get like the, Dormammu, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. And just like Uh repeating, yeah, I got heavy, heavy vibes of that for sure.
0: Okay. I'm glad I wasn't alone. I actually went and watched that scene in YouTube and I think that's the vibe I was getting. So good. Your days of tyranny are over, Fire Lord, Aang says, with a stylish set of martial arts moves. I'm bringing you down. A comically large Fire Lord pauses from eating a bunch of grapes to leer at the young avatar. Really? How do you plan on doing that when you're not even wearing pants? Aang looks down and is horrified by his lack of bottoms. As he holds a pillow with an airbending sindal over his lower half, huge eyeballs peer at him from around the cavern. Fire Lord Ozai laughs maniacally as Aang tiptoes out of the lair, too mortified and embarrassed to fight. Aang wakes with a start and frantically checks to make sure he's wearing pants. He breathes a sigh of relief and tells a curious momo that he needs to keep training.
1: I had a thought about this scene. So it's interesting. This first thought might just be an oversight. Okay. It's interesting that they got Mark Hamill to voice Dream Ozai. Was, oh, I'll call him Nightmare Ozai. Mm-hmm. Nightmare Ozai. Even though Aang has never heard him speak.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And like the delivery is a little different. Yeah. You know, if if you listen to actual Fire Lord Ozai next to Nightmare Ozai, they do sound a little bit different. They do. But having the same voice actor voice it, it is like a weird meta thing.
1: Yeah, like they could have gotten anyone to voice. I actually thought it would have been a lot funnier and maybe this would have ruined the vibe or maybe towards the end if they just got like the exact opposite of Mark Hamill, so like maybe someone with like much higher pitch like Mike <laughs> Tyson voice potentially to do yeah. that, I think it'd be really funny. Uh, the other thing I want to kind of point out is that Ang does know what Ozai looks like and in the first two dream sequences he does not look like Ozai Mm. he's more like Bowser-y from Mario looking he's more like wide instead of like thin and tall and I think it's interesting that Aang realizes and notes that that is Ozai because I don't know if you've ever had this I've had this a couple times and by couple times I mean over my life a bunch of times where I'm talking to someone in a dream and in my brain, they're my friend or a family member or something, but they don't look like that person. I just mm-hmm. like make that association. I thought that was a really yep. cool, like small touch. And I feel like, feel like that's something that's pretty universal where that occurs. Yeah. So having that in a dream makes it feel a little more grounded to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've talked about dreams before because the last dream sequence that we saw in this show was Zuko's dream. When he dreamt about being the Fire Lord and the dragons and the floor falling out from under him. That's right. And also in um, the Earth Kingdom with Lake Laogai. Just the dream sequences in this show are so good and realistic. And especially with the second dream, with the uh, the math test, which we'll talk about in a second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have thoughts about that too. But yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They're just so believable. Yeah. We switch scenes and go to the Fire Nation capital, where we find Zuko adjusting to life back in the palace. He wakes each day to multiple attendants, offering him fresh fruit, a foot wash, a head massage, a hot towel. After a moment of consideration, he accepts the hot towel and wipes off his face before leaving for Maze. A crowd of excited Fire Nation citizens gather in front of the palace gates, hoping to catch a glimpse of the prince. Zuko is stopped by royal attendants who tell him it's not a prince's place to walk anywhere and offer the royal palanquin. When Zuko tells them he's just going to May's and it's really not that far, they insist and he's taken just across the courtyard to May's family home. May is waiting for him and Zuko smiles when he sees her. It's interesting to see him adjusting to life back in the palace because he almost, he seems very calm and at peace. And I actually translated that or or interpreted that as being almost a nostalgic response. He remembers what life was like in the palace as a young boy. And so in all of these scenes, he has this soft smile, this considering expression, almost like he's remembering, oh, yeah, this is what it was like before when I lived here.
1: Yeah. And then it's interesting when that soft smile is like kind of broken by the royal servants, for lack of a better term, where they're like, oh, don't you want to take? the the palanquin and he's kind of like no it's like it's like the illusions shattered a little bit right there which i think is kind of cool foreshadowing it's very mm-hmm. subtle I, I feel very purposeful and then he's like no it's just over there it's like a block or two that way i'll i'll walk it it's fine and that shows not only that he isn't the person he used to be before his exile it shows that he kind of sees the absurdity of royal life and all of the indulgences But it also shows that he's not comfortable accepting it anymore. Mm -hmm. And we kind of saw that with the hot towel as well. So it's very like subtle, small details here. Really cool.
0: I agree. You're absolutely right. It's like this weird, realistic mixture of nostalgia and discomfort. Yeah. Because after being banished for so many years and basically roughing it yep. <laughs> for a lot of that, yep. it's probably a little jarring to come back and have so much of your life controlled, even if it's just in open-ended offers, like yes. people doting on you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, large crowds in front of you. Like Zuko is now more used to living life on the road, being unseen than he is being mm-hmm. celebrated. So yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah. Aang is still training when his friends wake up the next morning. His furious tree punching concerns Katara, and she reminds him that there is such a thing as overtraining. You don't get it, do you? My form is bad, I'm sloppy, and I still don't know firebending, not even the basics. As he says this, his eye twitches. Katara gently lowers his hand, and Sokka reminds Aang that there won't be any firebending because of the eclipse. Plus, it's a stupid element. (laughs) I
1: love his (laughs) rationale. Don't worry about it. It's a stupid element anyways for stupid heads.
0: yeah. (laughs) Aang insists on spending the whole day training and his friends awkwardly remain silent. That night, Aang tries to sleep again. After saying goodnight to everyone in the camp and in his dream, he again kicks down the door and confronts the Fire Lord, this time with pants and a lot of chains holding them in place. (laughs) The Fire Lord disregards the pants and smugly asks if Aang is ready for his mathematics test. Aang panics, realizing he completely forgot all about the math test. He falls off a cliff and is smushed by an abacus. When he wakes up, he's sweating and he is more convinced than ever that he needs to keep training in order to be ready.
1: I have, I have a quick thought here. Okay. Did Aang study math? I do they call it mathematics, but it's not math. It's mathematics. <laughs> yes. Did he study mathematics 100 years ago as an air nomad? Or is this a recent fear from going to that school in the Fire Nation a few episodes back?
0: That is an excellent question. And I, I'm torn yeah. because the fact they show an Abacus was great. Great yeah. detail because that is what they used for hundreds of years. And I feel like there would have been mathematics in the training at the air temples. Would there have been, though? I think so, maybe, because it's like simple, you know, how do you count? I think it wouldn't be just spirituality. It would also be a little bit of history, a little bit of um, language, I math. Know.
1: I can't like... Just
0: a little bit though, to make them well-rounded.
1: Yeah, no, I, I see the the thought process there, but I just can't like... I don't, it feels off to me. I don't know why.
0: Well, I will add this. Yeah. I do think there was some sort of math in his past at the Air Temple, but I think the anxiety in this dream absolutely comes from his recent experience at the Fire Nation school.
1: Yeah. That place was stressful.
0: Mm-hmm. And I imagine that, you know, he's he's ang, he's carefree. He doesn't really know how school works. So right. I could see one day he comes to class and the teacher, that really strict schoolmaster, being yeah. like, all right, class, sit down. We're doing our mathematics test today and have him go, wait, what? <laughs> math. <laughs> uh, um
1: yeah. yeah. I thought that was just interesting. I was like, hmm, an abacus and math. I don't know, man. I don't I just don't if they I think my brain is doing this. If they learned math as air nomads, I don't think they did it the same way that the Fire Nation would necessarily. Agreed. Yeah. Or even like the water tribe. I think everyone would have their own unique way to teach such a universal concept that is more more accurate to their culture.
0: Yeah, like at the air temples, I, I imagine it's, you know, Math exists. And here's how you count things. Here's yeah. how you divide things. Yeah. At the Fire Nation school, it's there are two Komodo dragons moving across the land at 27 miles per hour. <laughs> how long until they collide? One of them, <laughs>
1: one of them stops to sing the Fire Nation national anthem and yes. contribute his proper praises to our Fire Lord, Ozai.
0: The other is carrying a basket of apples that counts 20 when they collide. There's 20 apples like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super stressful. Yes. Yep. Eng gets up and begins performing circle walking around a sleeping group of koala sheep, heavy bags under his eyes. Katara hears him and comes over to convince him to go back to sleep, and Aang does reluctantly. I do want to point out the fact that um, similar to the first dream resembling Goku from Dragon Ball Z, in mm-hmm. the second dream. Aang's outfit resembles Vash the Stampede from Trigon. I
1: love Trigon.
0: I know. That so was one good. of my first anime yeah? I ever watched. It was that in Ruruni Kenshin. Yep.
1: Oh man. And the I'm gonna say this really quickly because I don't have anyone to talk about in terms of voice acting for this episode. So let me just tell you really quickly that the voice actor for Vash the Stampede was Johnny Young Bosch, who's done so much voiceover work. But I first knew him as the second Black Power Ranger from the Mighty Morphin oh, Power Rangers. Gosh. And he's actually the only he's the first Black Power Ranger to be in a feature film. So that's awesome. I just love him so much. He's so cool. He's so talented. Like he's he's one of those like few instances where people go, oh, you watch dubs. And I go, Johnny Young Bosch. And they go, damn you, Greg. Damn <laughs> you. And I'm like, that's right. Very talented. If you have not seen Dragon, yes, highly, highly, highly recommend.
0: I agree. Back in the capital, Zuko and May snuggle on a couch at her house. Zuko asks her teasingly if she could have anything right now. What would it be? May thinks about it and then says, "A big fancy fruit tart with rose petals on top." Zuko leans in close and says that being a prince and all, he might just be able to make that happen. He asks the nearby servants to find them a fruit tart and May comments that there are some nice perks about being royalty. Though there are some annoying parts too, like the all-day war meeting coming up. Zuko sits bolt upright. War meeting? What are you talking about? Mei explains that Azula mentioned something about it and she assumed Zuko was going too. I guess I wasn't invited, Zuko replies. The first crack appears.
1: I have a thought. About this whole scenario, this whole no invite goes to Zuko scenario.
0: I think I know your thought, but please do share.
1: Do you think that Azula was supposed to tell Zuko that he's invited to this war meeting thing and just didn't just to like play mind games with him?
0: 100%. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, good. Good, good.
0: (laughs) And she purposefully mentioned it to May. So May would comment. Yeah. And it would mess with Zuko's mind.
1: Yes. Oh, man, I was just like, this feels like, I mean, later when everyone knows because they already watched the episode when they were like, we're not starting without you. I'm just like, of course. Classic Azula. Mm -hmm. Big of sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. On the black cliffs, Aang wakes up to the new day and the sound of someone calling his name. He blinks up the sky and sees Fire Lord Ozai leaning over him, smiling and calling him a sleepyhead. Rise and shine, he says. You overslept. You missed the invasion. The Fire Lord begins cackling and then flies away on the back of a hippo cow.
1: These are all thematically my nightmares as well. No pants. Really? (laughs) Not prepared for something. And you
0: missed it. Yes. (laughs) That's why I think these are so realistic. I have stress dreams all the time, especially when work is crazy. I will dream that I forgot something. I missed something. I don't do a good job. I I don't deliver something on time. And it's like, it's just the classic stresses. And I love seeing it portrayed through the mind of a young boy. You yeah. know, it's no pants and a math test. And then more realistically, the fact that he dreamt the fire Lord was leaning over him and telling him he missed the invasion. Like that's intense. Yeah. But then the dream quality <laughs> comes in where it's a flying hippo cow who can breathe, breathe fire. fire for
1: some reason. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I do want to point out that I attempted to do dream research for this episode. Mm -hmm. I haven't researched in like legitimate, go to the internet, find reputable sources, heavy duty, scholastic, let's call it research in quite some time. So what I was trying to do was I was trying to find three sources that agreed with each other. And if that was the case, then I would be comfortable presenting it to everyone. I could not Mm -hmm. do that in terms of dream reading or dream interpretations. What I will say which I think is a coincidence. But one of the websites said that when you dream of no pants, it means you have a fear of losing someone close to you, Hmm. which I don't know how that really translates. But I thought it was very interesting with his whole fear of losing Katara and the fact that he almost lost her at the end of book two. It's also another preparation dream where you show up with no pants. You're not prepared for the day, which, you know, is that. As well as the mathematics, not ready for that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It's another. Yeah. So ultimately, all of these dreams, the interpretation—if I take them at the highest level—is Ang's just not prepared, and he's super stressed out about it. And if anyone is a dream interpreter or has experience with that, and you have any other insights, email us, please, because I would love to know. Because I, I love the theory of like reading dreams and stuff like that. It's just no one agrees with each other about anything. I
0: know. Well, so much of it is pseudoscience, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a little mystic, a little like new age. There's a lot of that going on. I think um, if I'm not mistaken, Carl Jung was one of the largest known researchers that did research on dreams. And I think there's consensus On a couple main topics, main symbols in dreams, and then the rest is just kind of like based on interpretation. For instance, if you've ever had a dream about losing your teeth, Mm -hmm. that is 100% a stress dream. You are stressed out about something. You're worried about something in real life. Same thing goes for like dreaming you're going to die or dreaming about glass breaking. Mm -hmm. A lot of that tends to relate to like change and stress and Feeling like you're on the brink of some change, that sort of thing. But then like, huh. I don't know, if you dream about a tree, it's like that yeah. can have so many different meanings. You don't know.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I do want to point this out. The only thing dream wise that Aang did not exhibit that I thought would have been a lot funnier and it would have really mm-hmm. worked out with his airbending is you ever have one of those dreams where you're falling and you jaunt like yourself awake in real life and you feel like you just yeah. fall back in your body. That would have been really cool to kind of see. Ang do it because he his airbending I think would have manifested so he might have actually just been in the air to fall but yeah I would have loved to see that as he, I was looking for it I was like they got the math they got the no pants mm-hmm. come on come on give yep. me that one
0: falling in a dream you need that yeah. I think with Ang what would be most effective is if he was falling in the dream and his airbending didn't work yeah and so he was just free falling into like a black abyss or something yeah yeah
1: that and cool oh into Ozai's mouth as he's laughing And
0: yeah, his
1: teeth at the same
0: time. Yep.
1: (laughs) We got it all. There we go.
0: And then a glass breaks in the distance. Oh, no. Breaks through a pane of glass and then into Ozai's mouth. Yeah. Just layer it on thick.
1: And then a single tree is there.
0: (laughs) A tree grows in the distance (laughs) on a hill. What does it mean? (laughs) Anyway, Aang wakes up in a panic and pounces on a sleeping Sokka, asking him what day it is. Sokka gets up too fast and runs into a rock, which wakes the others. Relax, Toph tells Aang. It's still two days before the invasion. Aang isn't calming down anytime soon. He tugs on Sokka's pant leg and insists that his friend practice his rock climbing. In one of his dreams, Sokka was running away from the Fire Nation soldiers and tried to climb this cliff, but was too slow and they got him. But that was just a dream, Sokka says. I'm a great climber. Aang demands he climbs the cliff next to them right now and climb it fast. Sokka relents and starts climbing. But I love this little exchange where Sokka stares at him. Aang nods. Yeah. He starts walking towards the cliff and looks back. Aang nods <laughs> even harder. And he's like, fine, stupid avatar, stupid dream.
1: Book three has the best exchanges between Aang and Sokka. and too. It's, it's not just like the words, also the, the body language like we saw in this one where it's just the back forth, yep. back and forth. And it's just something that like only friends can really kind of have with each other. Mm-hmm. And I just I super appreciate it. It's so good.
0: Me too. Aang turns around and sees Toph drinking from a water skin and shouts at her to not drink that. Toph asks about, is this poison? Like, what's going on? But no, he explains in the dream, they were right in the middle of the invasion and Toph had to stop to use the bathroom. (laughs) They died because of her tiny bladder. And you, he says, turning to Katara, you need to start wearing your hair up. In my dream, your hair got caught in a train and... A train. I know, a train of all things. (laughs) Katara gently touches his cheek and tells him he really needs to get a grip. Aang breathes a heavy sigh and agrees. He's losing his mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's got like bags under his eyes and he's just not well he's not well
0: his character design is so good he's twitchy yeah he's fidgety he has bags under his eyes his hair is always disheveled mm-hmm. they did a really good job of they showing did. just how manic he is later that afternoon ang paces and worries about how stressed he is while his friends attempt to comfort him Katara takes him to an enclosed rock formation with the natural hot spring and guides him through a series of yoga positions that are supposed to de-stress him. But Aang can only focus on the warmth of the hot springs and translates that into a bunch of fireballs being hurled at him and the whole world being engulfed in flames. Katara suggests they try something else.
1: I love his thought process where it's like, I'm warm. It's really hot in here. I'm sweating. And it's fire all over the place. It's all, we're all burning. We're burning alive. It's like, whoa. <laughs> calm down.
0: Yep. Aang relocates to the field and begins a pastoral therapy session with Sokka while lying against the fluffy side of a koala sheep. Sokka leans towards him in interest, wearing his wang fire beard <laughs> and asks in a mature therapist voice, why Aang is so afraid of the fire lord? You said it yourself. He's the baddest man on the planet. Aang replies, I'm supposed to defeat him and save the world. Hmm. Life does feel that way sometimes, doesn't it? Like we're all trying to save the world from evil. That's my best attempt at Sokka's therapist voice. It's good. Aang then says, Okay, but what can I do to feel better? Sokka suggests he screams into a pillow, which is actually just a koala sheep. And Aang tries this, but doesn't feel much better.
1: I love the... Therapist delivery, where Ang's like, "I have to defeat the monster," and then Sokka, as a therapist, is like, mm, "Tell me more about this monster. Tell me more about this Fire Lord." And he doesn't do air <laughs> yes. quotes, but you could hear it in uh, in Jack's delivery, and it's just so it's just like perfect. I chuckled every time.
0: Mm-hmm, me too. It's also a really small detail, but throughout this scene, the koala sheep are eating grass like as they're sitting there and they're going through the therapy session. And I thought that was really fun because, of course, koala sheep are based on koalas and sheep. Mm -hmm. But they made a note about the animal that they're only awake for five hours a day and spend about three of those eating. (laughs) So they made sure to include in the animal design them just chewing on grass wherever they could. They're either sleeping or eating.
1: Don't attack my life choices just because do you eat and sleep i want to eat the majority of the time that i'm awake doesn't mean i'm a koala sheep
0: <laughs> are you sure though
1: mm, maybe not i'll have to get back to you on that one
0: <laughs> the scene shifts to the royal palace where azula is getting her hair combed in a long ornamental fountain zuka brings up the war meeting and complains about not being welcome there what do you mean of course you're welcome there azula says Zuko claims that no one invited him and Azula brushes it off saying it was probably because it's obvious he's supposed to be there. So no one bothered to invite him. Stop acting like a paranoid child. She says, just go to the meeting. Zuko loses patience and storms out saying, forget it. I'm not going to the meeting. Mm -hmm. And her little smirk here in this scene is my number one clue. That she was behind the misinformation yeah. that got under his skin.
1: Yeah. So here's another way to kind of like get into Azula's mindset, if you will. A, I think the the easy explanation is, is she's just messing with her brother. Like that's what she gets mm-hmm. bored. She messes with her brother. Like, you know, it, it makes her day go forward. I think the other kind of maybe explanation is that Zuko, because of May's actions, is now getting more into his father's favor and maybe Mm. she doesn't like that as much. So this is a way to make him not show up to a meeting that he's expected to be at. She even kind of presents to him as the, you should go. You're the prince. You're expected to go. So if anyone asks, you can say, I told him to go. Mm -hmm. And maybe this knocks him down a couple more pegs in Ozai's book and raises her up a little bit more as well. Yep, Because I would imagine that Azula thought that the Avatar would show back up because she's sure that the Avatar is not dead as well. She can Mm -hmm. read it on her brother because he feels that, too. So I think that she thought the Avatar would present himself a lot sooner. And the fact that he hasn't and her like big evil plan of shaming Zuko even more hasn't happened yet. So now it's kind of like maybe a what's like, I I have to be on top. Like, how do I get back on top?
0: Yes. And on that note, if you think back to the earth King in season two, when she was disguised as the Kyoshi warriors, Katara let slip their plan for the invasion on the day of the black sun. So I think you're right. I think you're onto something. She is making small tweaks and messing with Zuko while she bides her time for that invasion day. Yeah. So she's doing these like little head games and making sure to like throw him off just a little bit so he doesn't get that far. He doesn't completely earn his father's favor. He doesn't get completely comfortable and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Makes sense. Back on the Black Cliffs, it's Toph's turn to relieve Aang's stress. She instructs him to lie down on a group of flat-topped rock pillars and tells him she's going to pound the stress right out of him. She begins stomping, making the pillars rise and fall like little jackhammers. Aang complains of bruising and tumbles right off of them. Toph thinks for a moment and says, there is one more thing they can try. She stomps the ground and a little dark ball flies through the air to land on her hand. After a moment, hundreds of quills stick out of the ball. Acupuncture, she says. (laughs) Aang, however, is not a fan of this idea and promptly runs away.
1: Good move. Good move, Aang
0: probably a smart move yeah i don't think i would have a blind person perform acupuncture on me but that that's just me
1: i don't think i would have toff specifically perform acupuncture on me
0: that especially yes (laughs) (laughs) she's not
1: known to be delicate and that is a very precise art right there yeah
0: yes also the borcupine quills Hmm. Mm. Maybe not the best thing for acupuncture.
1: Mm-mm. I also do like that they brought back the Porcupine and just a little baby one.
0: Me too. Yep. Yeah. Later that evening, May finds Zuko brooding by a window and reminds him that the thing he's worried about is just a dumb meeting. He claims not to care about it and she's happy to hear that. She doesn't know why he'd want to go in the first place after what happened at the last one he attended. In an attempt to cheer him up, she suggests that they order some servants around. I might be hungry for a whole tray of fruit tarts and maybe a little palanquin ride around the town. Double time. The attempt falls flat, however, and Zuko doesn't respond, too caught up in his thoughts. Mm -hmm. This is really cute, too, because it shows how much May cares for him. And she's doing her best to try to lift up his mood. And they've been sharing some really nice quality time together since he's been back, as we saw in the last scene where they were snuggling on the couch but I like the body language here where she tries, gets shut down, and then she kind of pulls away from him a little bit yeah. because she's like, I don't know what to do with you. Well,
1: oh, I also think it's a defense mechanism for her as well because mm-hmm. they've been so like intimate and attached honest with each hip. other and attached at the hip that now he's starting to pull away and she doesn't know why. So her immediate reaction is to start building that wall back up.
0: Yep. Totally. No. Yeah. When it's time to go to bed on the Black Cliffs, Aang is nervous to go to sleep. Even after a whole day of de-stressing, quote-unquote, he's still a ball of stress. He does fall asleep and has a surreal dream filled with Fire Nation landscapes, distorted voices, and horrific deaths of his friends. The dream ends with Aang peering up through a slab of ice at Zuko as Sozin's comet arcs through the sky behind him. The comet collides with the Earth and completely desolates it, leaving behind a flaming, barren landscape. Eng wakes, screaming, and his friends rush to his side. It's the nightmares, he said. They just get worse and worse. Nothing helps. There's only one thing I can do. I'm going to stay awake straight through to the invasion.
1: That doesn't really work out so well. That's, that's <laughs> the the Freddy Krueger strategy is what that is. This guy can only kill <laughs> me in my sleep. Well, guess what, Freddy? I'm not sleeping.
0: <laughs> no, that's no.
1: And Freddy's like, you, you will fall asleep with your eyes open. And you'll go crazy, mm-hmm. and then I'll get you anyways, which is yep. kind of what happens a little later. But sure. I mean, minus minus yeah. Friday, obviously. But yeah, so I thought it was very interesting that everyone kind of resembles what they look like in the past. So mm. Zuko still has his dumb top knot that I dislike so much.
0: Yep, the ponytail, the, ponytail, phoenix, the, ponytail, the phoenix
1: tail, whatever. Phoenix I mean, tail, whatever. I understand that there's meaning behind it, but it doesn't mean I don't like the visual of it anymore anyways this is probably hopefully the last time I have to complain about that stupid (laughs) ponytail but I think it's very interesting that Aang was under ice looking up at Zuko because I had very very like heavy feelings of the end of book one with Hmm. how Zuko snuck into the northern water tribe
0: yeah and then he and Aang had that encounter in the ice cave And I think that's actually the first time we saw a little bit of humanity from Zuko. Yep. And we understood where he was coming from because of his past.
1: Yeah. And again, we we get this like on top of that, this almost like mirror imagery kind of where we now know that Zuko is half Avatar lineage, for lack of a better term, right? His Mm -hmm. great grandfather on his mother's side was Roku. Yep. So he feels connected. Aang must feel connected to Zuko as well, but can't understand it because he doesn't or maybe he doesn't he does understand it now. So he understands it now and it's it's like infiltrating into his dreams where his mm-hmm. enemy who is still kind of they're still kind of enemies because he betrayed him at the last moment at the end of book two, but they're still connected. It's very like there's a lot of yeah. deep like stuff in that one scene. And I just like I can't I'm still chewing on it after like five viewings of this episode. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think you're touching on all the right things. The way he looks, being from the end of book one, the location, the comet behind him, the fact that they're separated from a layer of ice, but they're almost mirroring each other Mm -hmm. on either side, which could be based on their-
1: Newfound knowledge.
0: Their newfound knowledge of their family connection. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of symbology there. And I will say it again, the team is so good at visualizing dream sequences and especially symbolism. Yeah. Also- because we've talked about the connection to anime and specific characters from anime, I do want to point out that there's a lot of connections to popular media in this dream, specifically like The Grudge, The Ring, Mm -hmm. lots of horror type movies. Mm -hmm. Did you pick up on a lot of that?
1: Well, specifically in that last dream sequence, where or Mm -hmm. second to last, I guess, where like Toph has no eyes. I was like, oh, yeah, that's very horror-esque. Yeah, and it's as soon as Aang was like, I'm just not going to sleep. I was like, that's Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: That's literally the strategy each teenager comes up with where they're like, Yep, yeah, this is just the thing. We're not sleeping now. No, no, no. Can't do that.
0: Yep. And also the way that they depicted the Fire Nation as this like molten landscape, I yeah. feel like it's kind of a nod to Lord of the Rings and so. Mordor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because it was very nightmarry too. And I think it was Aang who came out of the ground it was very Samara from the ring. Yes. So, yep. yeah, that one I was struggling with because the wiki, which we love, was like the ring. And I was like, I don't see it. And then on my third viewing, I was like, oh, it's Samara coming out of the well. I see it. I see what mm-hmm. you did there, Mike Brian. <laughs> I get it.
0: And also, it's been so long since I've seen that movie, but the almost shuddery quality of the camera, mm-hmm. it's animations. There's no camera, but yeah, yeah, there's yeah. like this quality of shutter and um, stop motion almost with some of the movements.
1: Very horror. And the... Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like yeah. the the fact that he was walking along the land and then disappeared and reappeared some distance yeah. away. I feel yeah, like yeah. they did that in The Ring too. Yeah,
1: yeah. That is very when she comes out of the TV and she's like boop, 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 boop. Yeah. It was a much yeah, scarier yeah. sound effect if you haven't seen it. Then be going boop, 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 boop boop. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Although if that movie's too scary for you, you want to finish it, you can just feel free to take that that little sound bite and just like play it over the movie or while Yeah.
0: Just mute it, <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Oh, gosh. But yes, so Eng decides he is not going to sleep anymore. The next morning, as Katara stretches nearby under the morning sun, just like any other day, Eng paces the field deliriously, muttering about the invasion. Katara walks over to him and shares her concern about him not sleeping, and Eng tells her that it's allowed him to do a lot of thinking, and he sees things more clearly now than he ever has before. The reason he's doing this, going up against the Fire Lord, it's not just to save the world, it's also to save the people he loves. I'm doing it for you, Katara, he says. Aang, what are you saying? Katara asks. I'm saying, I love you. Aang kisses her and she blushes and kisses him back. They part and she smiles at him. What are we doing? She asks. What our hearts have been telling us to do for a long, <laughs> long time, baby. You're my forever, girl. (laughs) Aang swings her into a dip and goes in for another kiss, only for the daydream to be shattered when Katara asks him what he's doing. She's not in his arms, but standing right next to him where she was when she said he should take a nap. (laughs) Embarrassed, Aang straightens and plays off the daydream as some underwater adventure. Nothing interesting. Nope. Nothing to see here.
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm. Freddie definitely didn't come through after you said you just weren't going to sleep.
0: Nope. <laughs> nope. Not at nope, all. I'm not fine. At all. 100% okay.
1: Awake the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That almost got me again. I like, know. Me too. I was like, I don't. This seems kind of. This is and then it was like, oh, yeah, he's like, you're my forever girl, baby. And I'm like, all right. All right. Take it easy there, Dean Martin.
0: Exactly. Like cue any romantic comedy drama from the 90s right there.
1: Or even like, I feel like noir yes. at the end, like Casablanca style. Like
0: there you go. Yeah. Yep.
1: Any <laughs> of that. Literally any romantic thing has something to that effect. I feel like.
0: Mm hmm. We return to Zuko to find him still brooding, this time on May's couch. A messenger arrives and tells him that everyone is waiting for him at the war meeting. The Fire Lord said they wouldn't start until he arrives. Zuko and May smile at each other in relief. It's such a quick scene, but I think it conveys a lot. It does a lot.
1: I'm surprised that Ozai's not furious that his son's not there on time.
0: That, yes. I think that is part of what it conveys. The fact that While Zuko has been so emotionally caught up in expectations and am I wanted, am I not wanted? Meanwhile, it almost seems like Ozai is just so chill and accepting of Zuko being back. He's just taken it all in stride and accepted Zuko and just like kind of moved on. Meanwhile, Zuko is still working through a little bit of trauma there of what happened before and the time since he's been banished and all of these mental things.
1: Yeah, this is the only time in the entire series where I started to question if I had Ozai correct, if I had him right. You know, like if if I was just painting him in a negative light this whole time because he is the big bad at the end of it all. But like if you have a character who's been around for 30-some-odd episodes, give or take. That's not an exact count, but like, let's just say that's the number. The vast majority of the episodes, they've been this looming presence. And now, just now, when we have eight episodes left, according to Netflix, in book three, now I'm like, maybe he's not such a bad guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> I still refuse to get on the Ozai's not so much of a bad guy train. But this one was nice that he just didn't, like, I don't know, Nuke the entire village or the entire city yep. with fire blast because the sun was late. Because that's what I was thinking was going to happen.
0: Yeah. And you expect that because you've been presented with Ozai as this certain character who acts yeah. a certain way based yeah. on both Iroh's and Zuko's memories. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, that all happened over three years ago. Yeah. So while Zuko has been banished away from home, ruminating on all of these things that happened to him and obsessing over retrieving his honor. Meanwhile, his dad is running the country and he's funding a war and doing Fire Lord things. I actually think that he has, to some extent, forgotten the emotional charge of that encounter and has just kind of moved on. So now... Once his son has come back into the picture and quote unquote regained his honor, yeah. Fire Lord Ozai is like, all right, cool. You did the thing and I'm going to fold you into the royal palace life and these war meetings and expectations. And I almost feel like Zuko just slides right into the prince box Yeah, that Ozai has like put to the side, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I just think it's very, again, a small minor gripe on my part. I feel like Ozai's is just not the kind of guy who tolerates tardiness from anyone. So when Zuko's not there on time and maybe he gets that leeway for like regaining his honor and being his only heir and he's giving him a break, you know, because, you know, maybe, maybe Ozai was a little rough on him, just a little rough on him during that <laughs> acne guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, it just felt weird to me. It's still not sitting well and I can't headcanon my way out of it to like yeah. some acceptable degree for me.
0: The closest might just be by saying Zuko is like a VIP right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For this period of time until the newness of him being back fades away and then he's just another person in the palace. At yeah. that point, I think Ozai would be more pissed off about tardiness.
1: Yeah, I guess. Right
0: now it's like the first war meeting, like he hasn't done this before, maybe he like didn't really realize, but Fire Lord Ozai is like, "No, this is the expectation." You are the prince. You should yeah. be here. One and morning, like he cuts him some slack.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe his manipulative sister didn't tell him the invite. Like I asked her to. Could be plethora of reasons why he's not here. Yep. Yeah.
0: Aang's sleepless training sessions continue with a tree trunk fashion to look like the Fire Lord, using a noodle portrait of Ozai's face. <laughs> and this is a very particular it's noodle
1: his. portrait. He made it.
0: It's his own. I
1: love that one. <laughs> Such a good call From the
0: headband when he made it in school.
1: Yep. So good.
0: But at this point, he's so tired that he misses every blast of airbending that he shoots. Aang lands in front of the unscathed tree trunk and says, You think you're untouchable, don't you, Mr. Fire Lord? A strange voice nearby replies, Boy, you really are starting to lose it, kid. A bewildered Aang looks around, but only sees Momo crouched on a rock. When the voice speaks again, Aang realizes that it's his flying lemur speaking to him. Momo says, You, my friend, are just a few plums short of a fruit pie. Aang rubs his eyes and when he focuses on Momo again, there are no words but familiar chitters instead. His friends arrive to find him trying to communicate with Momo in Momo speak and let Aang know that they're all starting to get a little worried about him. He's been awake for too long and he's acting downright weird. Appa adds, you've got to take care of yourself. You can't go on like this.
1: You've got to take (laughs) care of yourself. You just can't go on. Come on. It's (laughs) Dee Bradley Baker does such a great job with both real voices for Momo and Appa. It's amazing.
0: Yes. They made a note about that for this episode saying that because he was the original voice actor for the animals making animal sounds, it of course made sense for him to do the dialogue as well. And he really took care and attention in translating their animal sounds into mm-hmm. people voices. Yeah. And I agree. It's great.
1: I also think Appa kind of has that same tone or same cadence as uh, as a psychiatrist or as, you know, like a therapist where it's like, mm-hmm. just like very warm, very like, just like gives me that vibe. And it maybe it's because we had that vibe from Sokka a little bit, but like not as <laughs> warm, but... It's very yeah. caring, nurturing. Like you just gotta take care of yourself. And yes, Momo is just like this Danny DeVito, Joe Pesci—not to but more uh-huh. Joe Pesci. I think kind of <laughs> like look, kind of vibe to it. It was it was just perfectly done. Like well, well played, yep. well played.
0: It's so good. Also, the fact that Momo is the more negative of yeah. the two, and Apa is the more compassionate and empathetic one I think also ties to their characters really well because we even mentioned in the last episode that scene where Mobo comes over to Appa who had just received a cabbage and chitters at him like yeah. and then Appa like pauses for a second and then spits out the cabbage for his yeah. friend to take it it's yeah. like I like the personification in their characters also in the storm Sokka makes a comment about When he thought he could talk to Momo and Momo said some very unkind things. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So that also is in line with his uh, human character.
1: Yeah, it's really good.
0: After hearing Appa speak, Aang groans and tells them all he appreciates what they're saying, but the stress and the nightmares are just too much. Staying awake is the best way to deal with them. Yeah, leave the kid alone, Momo says from the rock next to Aang. Appa frowns and points a finger at him and replies, hey, who asked you? Eng tries to break up the impending fight, but can't. He asks Sokka what they should do. About what, Sokka says. About that. Eng points to the clearing where Momo and Appa are now dressed as samurai in front of a backdrop of bamboo and falling cherry blossom petals. The two animals face off, Appa with three swords for his many paws and Momo with just one. Suddenly, they charge at each other. They block each other's attacks and a cheering crowd of koala sheep call their names. Appa! Momo! Come on, guys. We're all on the same side, Aang calls. Suddenly, Guru Patik drifts by on a shining cloud singing about tasty chakras. The fight wears on, the koala sheep cheering, the Ozai tree stump boxing nearby, and lines of rocks slither across the grass and begin to form a circle around Aang. They also form waggling columns nearby. Aang stands in the middle of it all, bewildered and overwhelmed. Finally, he runs away screaming about needing to jump into a cold waterfall.
1: Something I want to point out, which may be coincidence, maybe not, but I thought it was really cool and interesting. Appa is wearing samurai armor. Mm -hmm. Because, in my opinion, there was that quick scene where Sokka is trying to make armor for Appa leading up to the invasion. So Aang, like Aang acts like he didn't really see it or notice, but his subconscious did and just puts the armor in the form of samurai armor on Ava. Oh,
0: totally. Which yep. is hilarious. So funny. So funny.
1: And it looks like, we'll we'll see this next episode, but the armor is the same color scheme as the armor that Saka is making and looks very similar as well. So it's just like, yeah, so good. Momo's design actually has a few kind of different inspirations. One of them is Miyamoto Yusagi, who is, I always want to say he's a manga character, but he's actually not. The publisher was actually Dark Horse Comics, which was right here in the States, which is really cool. Dark Horse has also done a lot of other properties that you might have heard of, like The Mask, as in Jim Carrey's The Mask. Mm. That was originally a much darker comic book. Kind of got the Hellboy series, a whole bunch of really, really cool stuff like that.
0: Also the Avatar comics.
1: Also the Avatar comics as well. You also might have recognized him if you are an 80s or 90s kid as a character from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where he's not really from there, but he made a couple appearances, which is really cool. I never read any of his books, but I hear really, really good things about it. Mm. There are also a couple other design aspects that are kind of borrowed and adapted, I guess, for lack of a better term, such as Toshiro Mifune's character. I'm going to I'm butchering over this. I'm so sorry, everyone. (laughs) Kikuchiyo and Seven Samurai. And it's also like kind of right down to uh, his facial hair being like shaggier and, and more kind of disheveled, which is like that like classic three day growth kind of beard stubble that Mifune's character had. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Also, the Katana positions and Komodo design do look similar to a character from Afro Samurai named Jinno. I yeah. want to watch or rewatch Afro Samurai. It's been so long. That was such a good one.
0: I don't think I ever watched it. I watched Samurai Shampoo.
1: Yeah, I could never get into Shampoo. I tried it so many times and I just it never clicked for me and I wanted to like it. Afro Samurai uh, is actually famously known as having Samuel L. Jackson voice.
0: Oh, no way.
1: I don't remember if he was the main char- the voice of the main character or not, but he was definitely the voice of the main character's imaginary friend. I'll put it that way.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Yeah. It was it was very moody, very stylistic, very good. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of references, Guru Patik coming in, holding that guitar-like instrument and having multiple arms is reminiscent mm-hmm. of the Hindu goddess of knowledge, Saraswati, who is popular depicted with six arms holding a veena. And then Greg and other Star Wars fans will like this. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but the duel between Appa and Momo reminded me of the duel between Obi-Wan and General Grievous.
1: It kind of did. Yeah.
0: The multiple swords and the spinning.
1: Yep. Yep. I had that thought too. I was like, that is very, it's like a different kind of spinning, but like it's, if that's not just like a quick nod over to dave filoni who at this point Mm -hmm. has left the series and started working on clone wars and i don't know what is yeah yeah
0: my head canon is ethan spalding and dave filoni are good buds and dave (laughs) filoni in a coffee chat mentioned oh what you should do is
1: yeah (laughs) i I I subscribe to that absolutely
0: (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea if they're friends but it's just more fun if they are.
1: Yeah, in our world, they are.
0: Yep, we have real facts and then we have headcanon on the show.
1: (laughs) That was a headcanon. No one one yell at us if they're not actually friends.
0: (laughs) Yep. For all we know, they hate each other.
1: Oh, imagine. We got it completely wrong.
0: (laughs) Back at the palace, Zuko emerges from the war meeting to find May waiting for him. She asks how it went and he tells her, when I got to the meeting, everyone welcomed me. My father had saved me a seat He wanted me next to him. I was literally at his right hand. Mei touches his shoulder and tells him that's wonderful news. He must be happy. They reach the end of the hall and stop in front of a large tapestry of Zuko's father as the Fire Lord. During the meeting, Zuko says, I was the perfect prince, the son my father wanted, but... I wasn't me. Dun, dun, dun.
1: And there goes the final crack in the illusion right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I have everything I could have ever wanted in life and I don't want it. And I'm not me. This doesn't feel right. That is when Roku's side won right there.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we Mm -hmm. talked about how important it was. For him to go through this experience and come to that realization himself in the Crossroads of Destiny episode. Yeah. Because if he had turned on Azula and, by association, Ozai, his father, in that episode and helped the Avatar, there would always still be this chance that he could turn again and betray the Avatar. He had to go home, get everything he thought he wanted, and then be shown that's actually not what he wants. And actually... I've been studying writing and storytelling, and that mm-hmm. is the perfect example of something that makes characterization so effective, which yeah. is having your character believe they know what they want and then proving them wrong.
1: Yeah. Every time, and by every time, I mean, this is the second time I've seen this series. Although, I think now I'm going to start like saying that I've seen the series seven times because I watch each episode between three to <laughs> seven times. I think that's how that works, right? I've seen...
0: Sure, (laughs) sure. Why not?
1: Anyways, I remember the first time I was watching this series, I was very annoyed with Zuko and I was like, come on. But like him going through this whole journey and experience. And now it's like you would rather have someone on your side who you know is loyal and knows what they want versus someone who is kind of wavering a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. This is what got rid of that wavering. This is the moment where he realizes that beyond a shadow of a doubt, he was wrong in that moment at the end of book two. His uncle was right. And I don't know if he realizes his father is a monster at that point, but he realizes that he's not on the path that he should be, Mm -hmm. which is so good. And it's like such a great way to present his story and almost start to cap it off. As this like final chapter, as far as we're concerned, as not in his life, but as far as we're concerned from a storytelling perspective. Also, he doesn't really do a lot after book two. He goes on vacation. He like does little things. Zuko. Zuko doesn't do a lot.
0: Like between book two and book three? I'm trying to follow what you're saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is like Team Avatar is going through the Fire Nation. They're going on this big adventure. They're learning all these new things. And Zuko's adventure is really internal
0: Mm, yes okay
1: he doesn't actually do a lot other than concentrate on himself and do self-realization he goes on vacation is the big thing that he does
0: Mm -hmm. vacation at home
1: yeah yeah (laughs) or even not even vacation at home but he goes to what do you call it
0: oh yeah ember island
1: he goes to ember island so like that's the big thing that he does throughout book three so far anyways Granted, this is episode nine, so we're about halfway through, maybe, you know, like right around that mark for the season. But he's done so much and yet has been has done nothing, really. It's very interesting. Like this whole Zuko thing. Yeah. I cannot wait for him to actually start. Like I guess when I say he doesn't do anything, he doesn't firebend anymore. To me, that's that's all that matters with Zuko. <laughs> There's, he's no action, There's no he's action stage, he's not doing anything. More action. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, the internal conflict is like dialed up to 10. (laughs) It really is.
1: But like, picture this though. You're Zuko's best friend and you're just watching him and he's not physically doing anything. You're just like, this guy's not doing anything. And inside, he's got like Fang and Sozin's dragon fighting (laughs) at like kaiju levels and destroying his psyche and tearing (laughs) his soul apart. But he's just sitting there brooding in a corner.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's the perfect illustration opportunity show Zuko in a corner brooding in the dark like Aragorn style yeah in the prancing pony where he's just like brooding in that booth with his hood drawn Mm. but meanwhile there's a thought bubble above him and there's like a massive kaiju fight between Sozin and Fang the dragons yes absolutely (laughs) oh my gosh you know if anyone out there wants to illustrate that we would absolutely love it. And we do plan on having an avatar soon where we feature all the fan art that has been submitted to us. So if you feel so inclined and inspired, please do. And we will feature you soon. Yes. Later that night, as Ang is walking across the field in an exhausted stupor, mist surrounds him and he sees what looks like a fluffy cloud ahead. He pokes at the cloud and inspects it, believing it to be another hallucination. But his friends emerge out of the mist and tell him that this is a surprise for him. They spent hours working on a fluffy bed made out of the koala sheep wool so he can get a good night's sleep and hopefully take the crazy away. Now that days have passed and the invasion is tomorrow, Aang feels like he can't sleep at all, but Guitar assures him that he's ready. She's watched his progress and knows that he's brave enough and strong enough. Sokka and Toph agree and this finally sets Aang at ease. He lies down on the fluffy new bed and drifts off to sleep again. This time, when he dreams about kicking down the Fire Lord's door, he's prepared. Your days of tyranny are over, Fire Lord, Aang says. Really, the Fire Lord replies. You're going to take me out? You're not even wearing pants. Aang smirks and lifts his sword. No, Fire Lord Ozai, you're not wearing pants. Ozai looks down and shrieks because his royal parts are showing. He holds a pillow with a Fire Nation insignia on it and bellows in embarrassment and anger. From his fluffy koala sheep wool bed where he is deeply asleep, Aang smiles. The end.
1: This is my least favorite trope in writing. What is? It's, I can't do this thing. We spend an entire episode not being able to do this thing. And then their friends go, you can do it. You're right. I can.
0: Uh-huh. It was a little weak, but we needed a wrap-up of we, something. We yeah, so yeah.
1: yeah. This could have gone on for a very, very, very long time. So to me it felt like a very quick art. Right, like, come on, wrap up the fun episode. We got more things to do with it, a little more serious along the line. Mm-hmm. The DCCW verse does this a lot, specifically the Flash, where the Flash is just like, I can't do this. And then Iris is like, you can do this. I love you. And he's just like, you're right, Iris, with the power of your love, I can run faster now. And I'm just like, oh,
0: God, come on. Gag me with a spoon.
1: Yeah, it was very annoying. So (laughs) this, I understand it needed to wrap up because we have like the beginning of the end to really get to. But it was just, yeah, it was just kind of like it was fun episode. I was so jealous that you got this episode to summarize.
0: Really? Like, I
1: loved <laughs> I loved all the episodes that I've summarized so far. But when I watched this, I was like, I'm so jealous. Mark Hamill doing a goofy Ozai voice was just so good. It was so yeah. much fun. I, I really enjoyed it.
0: That's so funny because I went into this episode synopsis going, oh, all right, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, It's just so all over the place.
1: It is. And I think I, well, I wish that I could have, uh, summarize this one i think i'm also very glad that i didn't at the same time because i got the last sleepless one and it took me so long to summarize it because that like it was uh the chase the episode of the chase for yep. anyone who remembers where i was just like it took me so long to summarize this because i am so tired from watching them be <laughs> so tired
0: <laughs> yes i stayed up late finishing my notes for this episode yeah which is why I am so tired today. Yes, so yeah. I feel like there's a trend going on with yeah. these episodes where the characters are tired.
1: And then we get tired. I've been, no one can hear this because our editor Rob is wonderful, but I've been yawning so much. It's just like, I'm so tired. So tired.
0: I've yawned a couple of times to yeah. <laughs> Off the microphone. <laughs> but hopefully that didn't come across and you all still enjoyed this episode. Yes. yes. Greg, yeah. I need to know who is your MVP?
1: I think my MVP is, oh man, this is a tough one. There's so many great ones. It's not really Aang. He went through a journey, but like he kind of like, I don't know, he he was just kind of along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And it's a cop out to say all of his friends for dealing with him. (laughs) But I think, you know what? I think it's going to be Zuko for me on this one. Zuko for finally coming to what we all knew all along. And realizing that what he actually wanted isn't what he wants. Mm-hmm. So that's very powerful. That's the very mature thing for him to do. Like It would have been very easy for him to just give in to the pleasures and the convenience of royal life and being brought everywhere and having adoring fans around you all the time. But that's just a little too shallow for him. For lack of a better term, mm-hmm. his destiny doesn't lie within the palace. It lies elsewhere. And he feels it now and he knows it. And now it's just a matter of time before he acts on it.
0: I 100% agree. B, yeah. Plot. Yeah. B plot. B is plot is the all MVP. The way.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> yep. I agree. Because while the focus was on Aang's sleepless anxiety, I agree. I feel yeah. like he was more along for the ride. He was reacting to things. He wasn't really making decisions that move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Zuko was coming to terms with his internal conflict and realizing what we've been waiting for this whole time, that he is not the person that his father wants him to be. He is more in line with Roku's side of the family and his influence. Mm -hmm. So this, in effect, sets things up for change to happen in the story coming up. So yeah, for that reason, Zuko is my MVP as well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What about the moral of the story?
1: The moral of the story is what did I say was in the beginning? If you just go ahead and do whatever you want, eventually it'll just work out. No, that's not the moral of the <laughs> no, story. Don't. don't
0: use that. <laughs> Terrible advice.
1: <laughs> I think the moral of the story is please, please, please get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. Which means
0: we need to take our own advice.
1: Which means we need to go to sleep. (laughs) Yes.
0: Get your eight hours, folks. Sleep is important. Count those koala sheeps if you need to.
1: I think ultimately the moral is there's such a thing as overpreparing and Mm overburdening yourself with responsibility. The show has been very good at balance in terms of A plot, B plot, serious versus goofy and comedy, action versus... I hate to say this is an opposite, but action versus like character development and self-reflection in action almost. And this episode is really kind of driving it home where it's it's fine to prepare, but you have to rest as well. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're just going to fail. And that's what you fear most at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where my brain landed to everything in moderation. Yep. I think is what it comes down to, you know, moderation and balance, which... Is something I personally struggle with and I am always working on Mm -hmm. trying to moderate my hobbies and the amount of time I put on things and getting enough sleep and taking care of myself, self-care and all of that. So I think that um, it's definitely a huge part of this episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Everything in moderation says the man who bought 60 cookies, like 60 individually wrapped (laughs) cookies. (laughs) From Amazon. Yes. Variety pack. I Moderation. wanted cookies. Moderation.
0: You didn't get the 120 pack. Yeah, you see? that's exactly right. Moderation. That's exactly right. It's only 60. Yeah.
1: Come on. Uh, am I eating cookies every day? Maybe. Is it for breakfast? <laughs> could be. Are they delicious? <laughs> they could be less chemically tasting.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> I hate that. I also feel like we're, we're delivering a lot of mixed messages right now. So what? everyone do not do as we do. Do as we say. Yes. Everything in moderation. Get enough sleep.
1: Yes. Get enough sleep. Don't eat 60 cookies.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for today's episode and what an episode it was. Yeah. We are on the eve of the invasion.
1: We are on the eve of the invasion. And remember, if you need anything to do and you're caught up on all the episodes and you've already listened to Secret Podcast and you've read the blog post, you've done all the Patreon content, you've seen all of the Avatar episodes. And you still need more to do. Well, my friends, come join me over at twitch.tv slash on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Mondays, we play games all night. And on Fridays for the first, oh, let's say hour or so, half an hour to an hour, we call up a friend and we talk for some time. And sure, there's a format that we follow it always. No, it's just great. It's just a good time. It's just friends being friends and you can partake in the conversation as well. You can also find me on Twitter and I've been starting on my TikTok again. So go, go look at the TikTok and give me all the likes so I can feel better about how much time I spend on editing those videos.
0: (laughs) Right. Booster Greg all over the interwebs.
1: Also, I think we're going to make this announcement now where our own avatar of the podcast TikTok is up. So it's up. There's content on there. Right now. So go give that some likes and and stuff like that. What are we going to do with it? We don't know, but
0: (laughs) more to come.
1: More to come. We'll figure it out. There'll probably be a lot of goofy stuff on there. Mm -hmm. I have an idea for a new one as we're talking right now. So you'll have to wait to see what that is. Perfect.
0: And you can find me all over the interwebs at Acorn Bandit. You can also head over to joysons.com where I create enamel pins. That is J-O-I-S-A-N-S dot com. But basically, you can find me everywhere at Acorn Bandit. Nothing as exciting as Phone a Friend Fridays, but I will also throw in that TikTok is new. It's shiny. Go give it some love.
1: Mhm 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 Oh and Acorn was on an episode of Fun or Friend Friday so you should all go I was Watch that you you are like the second one I think
0: Yeah and if you're yeah. not familiar with Twitch if you go to twitch.tv/boostergregg and click on videos it'll have a backlog of what we call vods so you can go check out our conversation for Fun and Friend Fridays and you can also check out other clips and highlighted content from Greg's channel
1: Yeah 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 yeah
0: Coming up next time
1: The Angvengers Assemble
0: and Iroh's next move. All this and more, next time on Avatar Avatar, The the podcast.
1: Podcast. Avatar The Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.